Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the podcast of a woman named Rad and a man named Paul. Welcome to Game for Anything. Hi, I'm Paul. And I'm Rad. And in this episode of Game For Anything, a box full of priceless space rocks lies unopened because someone forgot the goddamn keys. We Taika look at the new Taika film, Next Goal Wins. Ah! And it's time for a facial. Recognition story, that is. Oh my god. (laughs) We certainly have opinions. And Paul certainly likes to write an intro, doesn't he? Yeah. Just a merchant of whimsy. Uh, I actually wanted to start with some pretty dark news, if that's okay. Is this the space news? Actually, no, it's not. Do you want me to start with the space news? No, no, you start with, you wanted to do the facial. So let's do the facial. Oh no, I said facial and now it's going to, we're going to be on some kind of list. So this is AI news. Basically in Detroit, this woman got arrested and detained for I think 11, 10 or 11 hours by the cops because they had used an AI algorithm, right, to sweep <gasps> through the, uh, no. like the database of passports and photo ID and and mugshots more importantly and they mistook her for a carjacker and of course she was pregnant at the time so this pregnant (gasps) woman i know so she's heavily pregnant she gets pulled out of her house in detroit in complete daylight view of all the neighbors her kids are watching from the window now it turns out obviously she didn't actually do this it was a totally different person and she's now suing the detroit police department for 25 million us dollars okay um Maybe I just don't value myself, but 25 million, I feel like <laughs> she's... Look, I love that she backs herself. I love that she thinks, oh, 25 mil, I can probably get that. Not sure, me personally, yeah. uh, if they would go for that. That's neither here nor there. Did they have video footage of the carjacking that they were running facial recognition software on yeah. and then comparing that mm. to basically a database of pictures that they're also running this software on. Yeah, I think they scrubbed all the images and they went back because she'd actually been charged for a minor misdemeanor. I think it was like a um, like a parking thing or like a oh, public... Oh, so dis- she's a criminal. Well, she's... <laughs> well, then 25 mil, good luck, madam. <laughs> but basically she's now going for a 25 mil paycheck from the uh, Detroit Police Department and the head of the Detroit Police Department, Rad, came out and blamed the human officers and defended the AI. Okay, well, wait, no, I just want to go back because something I want to clarify, did they have video of the carjacking? So they had a still from a CCTV feed. But the thing is, the still is really high quality. It's a distinctly, like it looks like a different person to me. And then they had a blurry eight-year-old mugshot of this woman. And the AI went, that's the same person. Were they not able to see in their very high-res CCTV uh, photograph Mm that the carjacker potentially, I'm guessing, was not pregnant. So here's where I think the blaming of the people comes into it. I think mm. the mm. the robot 
is the first, I don't know why I said it like that. The, the robot is the first line of defense. It's then up to the people to kind of give it an eyeball and go, hey, Doug, I know you're the new guy, but you really didn't do a good job here. I am uh, so sorry. Misa could have done better. Bleep, bloop, robot, robot. So they just went, tick, done, let's go. And they arrested her. I think there were like four or five officers. It was a really, it was a really ponderous process. I just, I just don't understand how you can not notice that she's not pregnant. <laughs> like, I just... Yeah. Like, even if you're like, okay, we think it's this person, we're going to go. Mm. You turn up, you see what... I'm. Look, I'm making a lot of assumptions here. I'm visualizing a decently heavily pregnant woman. Yeah. Visibly pregnant. Mm-hmm. You don't stop to go, oh, maybe it's not the same person. And also to detain for 10 hours, like it took you 10 hours to figure that out. It, look, honestly, the falling of facial recognition and the facial recognition AI futzing is something I really enjoy stories on. Unless, of course, it involves grave acts of injustice. But it did remind me, right, of something great that happened uh, back in 1995. When you say great, is it actually super awful? No, this one actually is great. So, oh, okay. Yeah, it's 1995 and there's this guy called MacArthur Wheeler. Right, And he's in Pittsburgh and he walks into two different banks within like an hour of each other. And he walks in, he's a big dude and he has no disguises, no mask, no fake moustaches, no wigs, nothing. He walks in, normal dude, holds the places up and as he's leaving with the money, he stops and looks at the cameras and smiles and waves at them and then goes to the next bank. And does the same thing. Now, I think I know this story. You know this story? I'm, I'm pretty sure you do. So he gets back home and the police rock up and he's really confused as to how they got him. And he's quote, he, he is. So he says to the police officers, but I wore the juice. And apparently what he thought was by rubbing in like lemon juice on his skin, that would make him invisible to video cameras. And all he had to do was avoid heat sources because invisible ink shows up when you get near a heat source. Incredible. Is this the story that you'd heard? Yeah, yeah. But I have no idea where he got that information from. Like, I don't know why he thought this was a thing. Like, did someone tell him this or was it just his own, uh, I've played with invisible ink and that must apply to human skin as well, kind of leap of logic? I think I literally think it is a leap of logic. And the reason I heard about this story, and I'm also curious as to whether you know about this, but are you familiar with the Dunning-Kruger effect? Ooh, I'm not sure. So the Dunning-Kruger effect is, uh, this case confounded a bunch of people, but there was a psychologist over at Cornell University, I think, called David Dunning. And so he grabs his um, his grad student, Justin Kruger, and they perform this study to try and figure out exactly what happened with the lemon face, uh, if you will. So... You can't say that. I, I recently learned what that is. You well, can't say that. Well, look, I'll just, I'll bleep it. I'll bleep lemon party, okay? So Dunning-Kruger, this research that happens discovers something very, very interesting. And that is people who are cognitively low grading students in these studies that they carry out always overestimate their ability. So in short, the problem is that when people are incompetent or stupid, not only do they reach wrong conclusions and make bad choices, but they're too stupid to realize their mistakes. So they did this massive study of undergrad students and they ask a bunch of questions, grammar, logic, humor, stuff that covers the full gamut of things that can be assessed. And they asked all the students to, you know, kind of guess what their scores were and also guess where they sat in the ranking relative to the other students. And the students who scored the lowest in these tests always overestimated how they did by a lot. And the people who scored in the bottom 25%, they always estimated that they performed better than two thirds of all the other students. And there's actually an inverse. So I guess what I'm saying is, this is what happened to 
So he basically, he is, he was too stupid to know he was stupid. And I think that's a real, that's a real problem. Now, of course, facial recognition technology with AI doesn't have that problem. It's not stupid. It just hasn't been programmed yet. I know stupid blorp or microchip. Wait, so what you're telling me is this is the One Direction effect where you don't know you're beautiful and that's what makes you beautiful. But then if you discover that you're beautiful, it damages your beauty. Yeah, it's... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm. I, I think One Direction is. If you said this to them, they would they would melt. But Rad, as a I, look, Rad, I think you're a very smart person. But I also know that uh, sometimes smart people don't think they're that great. And uh, there is an inverse that they discovered during this study, and uh, it's a little thing called imposter syndrome. So the idea is that the truly high performing students they always underestimate their relative competence. So they assume that because a thing that they did was easy, it must be easy for everyone else as well, and therefore they're not special. Wait, is that where imposter syndrome comes from? According to this study, the phrase imposter syndrome came from this study. Now I've it look it looks like it looks like it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Okay, well thanks Dunning and Kruger for <laughs> introducing that little concept to our lives that has <laughs> plagued many of us for an age uh, this is me saying it as though giving it a name is what breathed it into life it's not a vampire before that we it's, weren't feeling it it's not like if you invite it in then <laughs> then it can eat your neck no it's i don't know paul maybe yep i'm feeling it nibbling right now well mm. i think honestly the takeaway here is that i'm not sure if ai can be stupid and i don't think the ai that misidentified that woman in detroit is technically capable of suffering from the Dunning-Kruger effect, but you never know. Look, I feel like it's just another reminder that AI is supposed to be a tool mm. that is utilized, <laughs> not a... a... A police officer. It's not a canine Yeah, unit. not a police officer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're right. I would trust a dog more than I would trust an AI. That's what I like about dogs. They always assume that you are the best person in the room. You know? And that's the doggy Kruger <laughs> effect because actually they're the best person in the room. Oh, did you like that one? I did like that one. Yeah, thank you. Something else that I've been enjoying this week uh, is the new Taika Waititi film, Next Goal Wins, which I saw at a premiere the other night. Mm -hmm. uh, it comes out, I think, on New Year's Day. Huh. It's still a little whiles away. Um, but they've been doing a bunch of kind of press and uh, pre-screenings. So there's already people talking about it. But essentially, it's a film about the American Samoa soccer team which feels weirdly specific. I have no idea what this is, is. This is a true story, right? Yes, it is a true story. Um, so first of all, I wasn't aware there was an American Samoa. Thankfully, they cover off that little bit of history in the beginning <laughs> of the film. Uh, but they are actually a world record holding soccer team. Is this a cool runnings-esque sports narrative about a like a group of kind of sporting pioneers that people didn't know about? Sort of. So the world record that they hold is for the biggest loss in an international football game. Oh my God. Oh. In 2001, in the World Cup qualifiers, they lost against Australia 31 nil. 31 nil? 31 nil. Now. And as. Look, my my kind of only uh, dalliance with the beautiful game, as they call it, was when the Matildas were playing in the World Cup. I think that changed the whole of Australia. Mm -hmm. And what I gathered from those seven or so games that I watched was that 
Scoring 31, a lot of goals to begin with. That is a lot of goals. People don't score much in uh, in the beautiful game, or La Buone Notte, as it's called in Italian. Why do you know that? I fucked up. Oh, you <laughs> just made it up. Oh, my God. I, oh. I bought it hook, line, and sinker. I've done incruged myself into speaking Italian. <laughs> you just... Your pronunciation was also probably awful, and I was still like, oh, wow, Paul speaks Italian? Not just awful, maybe even a little bit offensive, but <laughs> here we are. So, <laughs> I forgot where we were. Uh, I'll just tell you about the film. Please do. Taika Waititi said a couple of years ago that he wants to tell brown stories. He's interested in, in telling stories uh, that he has more personal connection with, and that's kind of what I think has led to the making of this film. It's one that really celebrates um, Pacific Islanders and their culture and kind of puts that front and center and then also tells what is a pretty incredible story um, of their soccer team. Now, I froth a sports film. Oh. I, I'm a little boy. I love a sports film. I have seen The Blind Side more times than I could even count. I've never seen it. It is one. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, that's that's what we're doing when I see you next. Okay, great. Done. We're gonna watch The Blind Side. Done. It is one of two Blu-rays that I own. <laughs> okay, what's the other one? The Fifth Element. Oh, I love the Fifth Element. Oh, I love the Fifth Element. You know, the Fifth Element is actually love, right? Oh. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Earthfire, wind, water, heart. It's love. They love. It's love. Spoiler alert. <laughs> oh, that's why stuff that... Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I don't need to unpack that right now. No. Uh, but... <laughs> But as a sports film fan, um, it has the heart, right? Like that's why you watch sports films. It has that kind of underdog story, people banding together, um, gaining heart, learning to care, etc. Uh-huh. Uh, so essentially Michael Fassbender plays this Dutch American soccer coach with a bad temper and a drinking habit mm-hmm. that comes over to American Samoa and helps whip the team into shape in that regard nothing particularly special but I think it's in the lightness that Taika kind of brings to a lot of his films and sort of the exciting um amalgamation that they have of a couple of real a-lister celebrities in there like Elizabeth Moss is there as well and Will Arnett yeah in kind of more minor supporting roles but you've got these faces that you're just like oh my god you're here and then a lot of actors that would be new faces both within Hollywood and also just to a lot of us like like me included and seeing how Taika has 
really taken that story and I guess given it the attention and affection that it deserves. It was it was very fun. That's really cool. I've always enjoyed Taika's stuff, but typically speaking, when he's avoiding big budget superhero things, do you think this is like a return to form for him, kind of back to more human stories? Honestly, I have always been a little bit hit and miss with Taika. Mm. I feel like there's parts of his films that I really love and then parts that I just almost feel like he's trying too hard. And I know that's going to upset a lot of people because he is very, very well loved, but I'll say it. I'll stick to my <laughs> guns here. Not to say that like it's a bad thing or anything, just, you know, occasionally stuff not quite to my taste. Yeah. I think this one hit the mark pretty well for me. It's not going to win any Oscars, I don't think, but it's, oh, damn, it's a feel good film. It's one to laugh at, it's one to enjoy. And also, I love like walking away feeling like I learned a little bit of history in a way that felt vibrant and dynamic. But Paul, there are people who hate this film. This film is getting like that split review of a bunch of five stars and then a bunch of one stars. Oh, really? So hang on, why is it so divisive? Like, what is it that's polarizing audiences about this film? There's a trans character. (laughs) Oh, God damn it. Okay, so, okay. First of all, I mean, that's great. is the trans character kind of pivotal to the plot? Is it a blink and you'll miss it cameo? Is it is it a true representation of how it was in real life? Yeah, so it is a real person. Uh, their name is Jaya Salua, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And they were the first open non-binary and trans woman to compete in FIFA World Cup qualifiers. So, like, she's famous. She's changed the scene. Like, it, she's important not only to the story, but also to just history yeah. you know so she is like a prominent character uh within the film and look it's not like i think that it's a absolute victory of uh trans representation and that it delves into her story perfectly in mm. a beautiful way like there are parts that are a little bit clumsy and things like that but it's at the same time it's almost a periphery celebration it's not really what the movie she is not solely what the movie is about mm. but they try to kind of give enough context as well and they talk about how she is fafani i think i'm i'm almost definitely pronouncing that wrong but it's a um polynesian word for like third gender it's it's their own uh word for i guess gender non-conforming mm. and they do like a nice little exploration of like what that means for their culture etc cetera, etc cetera. but yeah there's people that are saying that it's inappropriate and unwarranted and that it's not a children's movie like you can't take your kids to go see this movie it's rated m they shouldn't be going anyway also um le bonanote is not for children it's an adult game <laughs> stupid is it actually is it actually what it's called in Italian or did you just make it up completely? <laughs> I'm just making I think buona means good and notte means night. I'm saying the good night, which means Oh Yeah. So I am Oh, so you're really being silly. Oh, okay. It's a real good No, I love that. If I knew what like the beautiful game was, beautiful is Bella and game is Game. <laughs> <What is that? laughs> Italians everywhere just like with their blood boiling out of their beautiful bodies. Oh. Hang on, oh. the beautiful game in Italian. Il bellissimo gioco bleep bloop. El bellissimo gioco. I just don't even know how to respond to this anymore. I just. Oh <laughs> uh, well. I've got nothing. Would you say that uh, this movie rocks? Uh, is there is there a pun here that I'm not seeing? You need to say yes for this segue to work. Okay. Yes. Well, speaking of rocks, there's an oh. asteroid called Bennu, <laughs> which. Uh... <laughs> I feel I feel violated. I'm sorry. I feel violated by that. You set me up. <laughs> <laughs> to play me like a fool. 
How many points did they lose by? Because that's how many points we just lost by. 31. 31 points. Okay, well, that's... that's Which is also how old I am. Oh. Oh, shit. Patterns in the world. Spins me out. Oh, no. What does it mean? Oh, no. You know what will calm me down? A space story. So I'm not sure how fond you are of the uh, what I call the black void, which will consume us all one day. But there's this asteroid, oh. which NASA clocks called Bennu, which was formed somewhere between Mars and Jupiter. Is that Italian for beautiful rock? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking spat all over my computer. <laughs> that is not Bellissimo. So... This rock is formed and NASA clocks it and goes, we think this might actually have carbon and water on it. And that could give us like a bit of a, you know, a bit of a time capsule of the birth of the solar system. And it could answer some really big cosmic questions. So NASA was like, we've got to get us a piece of that. So they yeet this satellite into space back in 2016. It was called the OSIRIS-REx mission. It was launched in uh, September 2016. And it got to the asteroid in 2018. And it grabbed bits of this super precious rock, right? It just like scooped it off and gently put it into its bell bell. And then it came back to Earth. Okay, so it pulled an octa. I haven't seen octa. Oh, how many? Okay, it's well, it's it's uh, a Korean film mm-hmm. about a dystopian future world where they uh, okja is a like pig-ish thing, mm-hmm. very very large, bred for meat, and I think they have a program whereby they essentially give these enormous animals to different families mm. living in kind of rural areas. Their job is to raise it, and then it gets collected again by the corporation once it's big and fat and stuff right yes exactly exactly and there's a scene in it where to test how it's growing and it's meat and everything Mm -hmm. they like stab it with a tube and pull out a round of flesh to be able to see like the fat to flesh ratio kind of like they do with soil you know like a core sample yeah, yeah, of course. You know what? I probably could have said the soil thing because in some ways that's probably where the film got it from. It's like a core sample. You know what's great though? I don't think a, <laughs> I don't think a small... You know what? Also the fact that they were going to an asteroid yeah. to scoop the... It, it just, it was a core sample. That's just what it was. I like that you went with the Korean pig monster. That's much more interesting. That's <laughs> <laughs> much more interesting. Actually, NASA started employing small Korean girls to take care of satellites while they wait for collection. Uh, so... <laughs> I don't need to see the film anymore. So, oh my God. Right, here's what happens. The satellite comes back and uh, they've got this kind of uh, mechanical arm which has grabbed the sample and put it into this basically like a capsule and they can't open the capsule. So there's these special fasteners on it and they, they cannot open it. It's stuck. And in order to open it, they have to force it. And if they force it, they destroy the rock, which is priceless and took many, many years to bring back from space. Wait, why would forcing it destroy the rock? Well, Does it have a self-destruct system put in it just in case they accidentally brought back the devil from Mars? I'd watch that film, by the way. Isn't that Doom that they accidentally opened the gateway to hell on Mars? If you had three Blu-rays, would Doom be one of them? that's not an insult i have doom on dvd okay there we go there's one ranked down look honestly i I do think a lot of film references this episode yeah there really are look we'll put it in the show notes we we won't do that we We, don't have show notes no but look think of it as a glove box right it's a glove box uh which has been kind of filtered to stop contamination so they've got all these kind of safeguards in place to make sure that it doesn't you know open in the vacuum of space so there's these like 35 fasteners and two of them won't come off and if they force it with the tools they have they will break the samples inside and destroy it so it's not an ideal situation it reminds me a little bit of that 
there was a guy from Germany, that programmer, who I think he had like $220 million in a Bitcoin account and he forgot the password. Do you remember this a couple of years back? I feel like there's been so many idiots that have lost their Bitcoin. <laughs> this guy. They will blur into one for me at this stage. Well, back when Bitcoin was first starting up, this German programmer, he did a tweet about it or something. And as a like, thank you, they gave him however many Bitcoins back when Bitcoin wasn't worth anything. And then he found out that he actually, it was worth $220 million. So he goes to get it out. And he realizes that you have 10 tries uh, before you're permanently locked out of the account, like forever. So he gets to eight tries and he's got two tries left. And there's all these news stories about this guy basically going through a massive existential crisis because he's like, on the one hand, uh, I could have $220 million. On the other, I could screw this up and then have been the reason I don't have $220 million. I am of the strong belief that there should never be a limit on how many times you can try a password because I'm a moron and I will put in the exact same password at least six times just to be like, did I type that correctly? Are you sure? I better try again. <laughs> I, how do you feel about uh, fingerprints and retinal scans? Oh, so this is actually an interesting area that we do not have enough time to go fully into in this episode, but... There's a lot of um, kind of interesting arguments for moving towards biometric security uh, because passwords can never be truly safe and neither can like two-factor authentication. Mm -hmm. So for example, I, I had this whole interview with um, some of the people that work at Yubico uh, a while back who make these security key devices that you have to plug into your computer and then like use a fingerprint yeah. to unlock. Mm -hmm. and. The best way to describe it is that that is your password, but it's not actually a password. It uses like different encryption and security stuff and Magic. that kind of thing. Uh, but one of the points that they make is that there physically has to be a connection to the device as mm. well. Um, you can't fake that remotely because you've got to plug it in and you have to like touch it. And that's one of the safeguards. But then of course, there is also all that stuff about like cars that use fingerprints to unlock them and then people getting their hands chopped off because <laughs> someone wants to steal their car. So I don't know. There's no winning. The world is awful. That common thread of technology not liking you enough to let you into things, whether it's facial recognition going askew, a man covered in lemon party or or a, or a glove box from space that won't open. It's all it's all connected. Paul, you did say that they can't open it mm -hmm. with the tools they have. Mm -hmm. On the one hand, I'm assuming NASA has a fair amount of tools. They have, you know, they're, they're not just walking around with your little uh, handyman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, well, not even just an Allen key set. I'm going to assume they've got, you know, the like Sydney tools <laughs> worth of tools yeah. in comparison to an Allen key set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why the f*** can't they open this thing? <laughs> I think there's only... Get a laser, I... <laughs> surely, something? I don't know, WD-40? Yeah, I, look, honestly, I think there's only one thing that'll open this box, and that's the fifth element, love. Oh. Yeah. They heaps had sex in that tube where everyone can see them, and I think that's... Great thing about sports movies, generally, no sex. Very little sex. Everything's a metaphor. Scoring. It's all about scoring. There's so much scoring. Oh my god. We're going to watch that film, by the way. It's going to be great. You know what else is going to be great? When we finish this episode. Oh my god. Brad, it's happening right now. Thank you so much for listening to another piping hot episode of Game for Anything. I'm Paul. That's Rad. You're you. See you soon.